Hey, you're listening to the audio version of Well Read with Justin Chapman. If you'd like to watch the video version, please go to youtube.com backslash C backslash Justin Chapman 15 or just search for Well Read with Justin Chapman in the YouTube search bar. Learn more at justindouglaschapman.com. Enjoy the show. And we're back. Welcome to season two of Well Read. I'm your host, Justin Chapman. The last episode was released before the election. So happy new year, happy new administration. We made it. Now let's get through this damn pandemic and let's make sure we beat Trumpism in general and Trump himself again when he runs in four years. Anyone who thinks that battle is over is sorely mistaken. As for this show, you can expect new episodes once a month this season. You can also sign up to receive my email newsletter to receive updates about what I'm working on. Visit justinchapman.substack.com slash subscribe. This season will be a slightly different format with a look at a couple of interesting stories internationally, nationally, statewide, and locally, followed by an interview with a special guest. Today's guest is the newly elected mayor of Pasadena, Victor Gordo. And of course, we've got our senior influencer correspondent, Brad the Influencer, and senior toddler correspondent, Sienna, on deck this season with their invaluable insights. Let's get right to it. It is so reassuring to have a competent Secretary of State back in the U.S. State Department. Tillerson and Pompeo essentially depleted the department in terms of personnel and in terms of U.S. soft power around the world. Biden's Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, certainly has his work cut out for him. Blinken recently delivered his first foreign policy speech, which laid out the Biden administration's top international priorities, including ending the pandemic, facilitating an inclusive global economic recovery, revitalizing alliances, creating a humane immigration system, and fighting climate change. He argued that China is the only country with the economic, diplomatic, military, and technological power to seriously challenge the stable and open international system. The U.S. needs to figure out how to play the long game with Beijing. China is scoring massive political points with countries in Asia, South America, and Africa by delivering vaccines, funding infrastructure projects, and providing aid. The U.S. is too far behind in terms of making investments in these regions. The cost now of those investments will be well worth it down the road. As it is now, more and more people see countries like China and Russia in a positive light while seeing the U.S. devolve into bitter infighting, insurrections, political instability, inequality, civic unrest, and the like. They see the shaky foundations of democracy, thus contributing further to the rise of authoritarian regimes that we're seeing around the world. Chinese President Xi Jinping recently said, the East is rising while the West is declining. Unfortunately, you'd be hard pressed to argue otherwise. The vaccine story is starting to turn around. Biden says the U.S. will have enough vaccines for every adult by the end of May. More age groups and occupations are now able to get the vaccine. As a university employee, I got my first vaccine recently, and I urge you all to do the same when you are able to. We're starting to see the light at the end of this tunnel, but we have to hold on a little while longer. It's a mistake to start loosening restrictions as we're seeing in places like Texas. Coronavirus case numbers were dropping for a few weeks, but have plateaued, and we don't want them to shoot back up again. 
Our case rates are still higher than in September, and there are new, more infectious variants that will become more widespread in the coming weeks. Getting vaccinated doesn't mean you can go back to normal right away. While you won't get sick and die, you can potentially still catch the virus and pass it on to someone else. We still have to wear masks and socially distance until we reach herd immunity. It's been a year since the original lockdowns went into effect. We don't want this to drag out any longer than it needs to. In that time, well over half a million people have died. How many of those didn't need to die? Had we had a competent federal government response that didn't fudge the science at the CDC for political reasons, that didn't refuse to issue a nationwide mask mandate and make mask wearing a political statement, that didn't drop the ball on the initial vaccine distribution rollout. The saddest part of all this is how different it could have gone. I would say hopefully we've learned our lesson for the future, but I think that would be a tad too optimistic considering the political landscape in this country right now. Look at the rise of QAnon, which is now a mainstream tenet of the Republican Party. Look at the insurrection and riot at the Capitol building and how many Republicans voted to cover for Trump. Imagine if it had been Obama or Clinton who riled up their supporters and let them loose on the Capitol. What would Republicans' response have been then? Would they have voted to convict? Or would they have said, as they're saying now, for the sake of the unity of the country, let's move on? The rise of white supremacists and far-right domestic terror groups is one of the biggest and underestimated threats this country faces. Everyone needs to take it very seriously and stand up against it wherever it manifests. One year ago, my wife and I covered Mad Mike Hughes' final rocket launch. If you don't know, Mad Mike was a supposed flat earther who launched himself three times in a self-made steam-powered rocket thousands of feet into the air. The Daredevil's ultimate goal was to launch himself in a raccoon, part rocket, part balloon, that would take him 62.8 miles up to the edge of space, known as the Kármán line, to see the shape of this planet for himself. Unfortunately, he died when his rocket crashed on February 22nd, 2020, in the desert outside Barstow, California. We were there and filmed the launch and let the world know what happened. It was a truly 2020 moment, a harbinger of the crazy to come in the weeks and months following that surreal incident. On the one year anniversary of the crash, we went back to the launch site with Mike's crew and friends to pay our respects. Eerily, there were pieces of the rocket still scattered all around the desert. Also at the launch that fateful day was a Science Channel TV crew filming a show featuring Mad Mike called Homemade Astronauts. After the crash, there was uncertainty about whether it would still be aired, but I've been told that the show will still be released soon through the Discovery Plus streaming platform, so keep an eye out for that. Let's patch in our guest who I'm very excited to speak with. His name is Victor Gordo, and he is the newly elected mayor of the city of Pasadena. Mayor Gordo, congratulations, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Justin. It's an honor and a privilege both to, to be with you and also to serve as Mayor of Pasadena, the, what I consider to be the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The, the Paris of the Pacific, right? Um, so, uh, so Mayor Gordo was born in Mexico and raised in Pasadena from a young age. Uh, he went to schools in the Pasadena Unified School District and Pasadena City College and delivered the Pasadena Star News. He was the first person in his family to attend college, studying business management and finance at Azusa Pacific University. 
Starting in 1997, he served as field representative for then Pasadena City Councilman and Vice Mayor Bill Crowfoot in District 5, which is one of Pasadena's most ethnically and socially diverse districts. He went to law school at night at the University of Laverne and was elected to the Pasadena City Council himself in 2001. He also serves as the business manager and attorney for the Laborers International Union of North America, Local 777. And finally, he was elected as Pasadena's third mayor on November 3rd, 2020. So Mayor Gordo, I'd like to hear a little more about your life story. What was it like growing up in Pasadena and what does this town mean to you? Well, you know, it, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate. Uh, I, I, as you point out, I was, I was born in Zacatecas, Mexico, uh, in a small, really a, a village, farming village. Uh, my parents brought me to Pasadena at age five. Um, and uh, Pasadena is home. It's the only home I've ever known. Uh, my parents uh, immigrated to the United States when I was two, and I, I stayed with my grandparents uh, until they established themselves in Pasadena. Um, and it's a, it's a city that uh, is very special to me and to my family uh, because it is home. Uh, you know, we, we arrived, we lived uh, in the garage. Uh, my father worked at the same restaurant uh, for 50 years in Pasadena, uh, Ranchero's Mexican restaurant, some of you may recall it. Um, I grew up uh, there serving chips and salsa and uh, bringing uh, later on in life, uh, busing tables and waiting tables there, helping my dad in the kitchen, all the things that uh, one does. Uh, my, my mother was a seamstress, uh, passed away when uh, my youngest brother was four. Uh, and, you know, I, I, my memories of delivering the Star News, playing in Pasadena parks, attending schools in Pasadena, making friends uh, from every walk of life in Pasadena uh, is something that is, um, you know, just the, it, I would, it's an experience that I would, I would not trade uh, for anything in the world. Uh, I always tell people uh, we may have been uh, poor financially, but growing up in Pasadena, we were uh, rich in every other way um, because uh, it's just a great place to to grow up. And what what are your main priorities for Pasadena as mayor? Well, you know, at the moment, uh, it's helping you know to do what I can as mayor uh, to guide our city uh, together with my colleagues on the city council through the COVID crisis. Um, you know, we're all seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, and I want to ensure that that light grows bigger and bigger. Uh, not just for the health crisis, but uh, also the economic crisis that has, you know, we've all known is uh, coming, uh, and now the emerging mental health crisis that uh, that is uh, surfaced um, in all age groups, but particularly, uh, I think, in um, in children um, and youth um, who have been denied opportunities and maybe lost ground in education and developmental opportunities uh, as they that, that are so important as they evolve to the next uh, chapter in their life. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see how we can help uh, young people, people of all ages, but in particular young people. Um, you know, you and I, Justin and, and, and others who are further along in life, uh, I'm a lot more further along than you are in terms of age, um, but uh, but you know we we can we can manage and cope and understand the situation we're in. Uh, but some young people, you know, uh, 
You know, it's, it's hard to grasp and understand why we're in this situation. It may be even difficult to understand uh, why some of the activities like uh, in-person school, um, social activities uh, are so important in their, as they develop in life. And so I, I think we need to address those issues as well. And so those, those are my priorities at the moment. Of course, you know, the, the, the buses have to keep running, so to speak, you know, the trash being picked up, the water turning on when you turn the faucet, uh, light turning on when you flip the switch, uh, policing, of course, and uh, public safety are important. Uh, all of those issues continue to be at, at the top of uh, the agenda. But the crisis involving COVID and the public safety crisis involving uh, a recent surge in violence are, are also are, are at the very top of the list at the moment. Yeah, and, and how would you rank Pasadena's response to the pandemic and, and what can the city do to help restore the, the local uh, economy moving forward? Well, you know, I, I think initially we were, you know, like a lot of others, um, caught flat-footed. Um, you know, and, and uh, I think there's a lot to be learned from this crisis uh, in terms of preparation, not just for the city of Pasadena as an institution, but for the city of Pasadena as a community. Uh, and I think, um, you know, for all of us in, individually, uh, for all of us collectively, including the institution, the city of Pasadena, our local government, um, she, the, for all of us, this has been a learning opportunity about preparation for uh, a crisis. Now, you know, some things you can't foresee, uh, but swiftly and to recognize that we're in a crisis that could go very south very quickly as this uh, COVID crisis did. Uh, and that's where I think we were uh, a, a bit slow off the uh, starting line. Um, we should have recognized earlier that COVID presented a, a horrific crisis. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the time I urged, let's get moving, let's start preparing for uh, what could be a very difficult time. I think we we're a little bit slow, but I think as we've um, experienced COVID, we've learned quite a bit. And I, I think we've, we've found our footing and are handling it uh, certainly uh, much better than we did at the, at the onset. And, uh, and one other major issue, of course, is uh, restoring trust in the, the police community relationship. What do you see as the mission of the new Civilian Police Oversight Commission, and what do you hope that commission accomplishes? Well, the, 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 the mission is to improve uh, the Pasadena Police Department as it builds trust in the community. You know, this is about trust, and it's about public safety. You know, I, I've said to people that uh, there is no more important issue um, in our community than public safety. You know, if we don't feel safe, people don't feel safe in their homes, their parks, uh, or anywhere in our city, um, their neighborhoods, uh, then we're doomed as a city to uh, fail. And so public safety is paramount, um, you know, and, you know, it, and uh, policing uh, is the most sensitive subject because ultimately it, potenti it invo potentially involves force against the very people we seek to protect, uh, including deadly force, as you know, regrettably we've seen. And so it's got to, it's got uh, the commission has to understand that its role is to improve public safety, to build trust, 
and to ensure that uh, it's fair and judicious in its decision making, always with the goal of improving, uh, whether it's through training, whether it's through recommendations on uh, on uh, policies and procedures, whatever it may be, the ultimate goal has to be to provide more transparency, to provide fairness um, and um, assistance in improving policing and public's, public safety in general in Pasadena. And that's a complicated role because it does involve, uh, you know, um, state law, constitutional law, uh, the rights of uh, community members uh, and the rights of police officers. It's, it's a very complicated uh, area. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tall order, but I'm confident that we'll find the right people. Right. And, and another major issue, of course, is affordable housing. Uh, you know, Pasadena is getting more expensive to live in all the time. You've talked about starting a, a city housing commission. What's the status of that? What would that look like? What would the mission of that body be? Well, you know, the we 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 have to submit our housing element to the state by October. I believe it's October fifteenth or seventeenth. So the you know the 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 task force um, that I'm appointing will help to guide uh, from you know the thirty thousand foot level zeroing into the actual housing element. Um, will help to guide that process, uh, and then I'm. I'm hopeful that you know it, uh, it it morphs into an advisory body for the city council for housing items. I'm sorry, housing issues, um, homeless issues, all of the issues that uh, again, um, you know, are, are so uh, closely tied together: homelessness, housing, um, affordability, uh, rent, um, uh, home ownership. All uh, you know the the appropriate uh, density or or uh, not so much density, and when we look to protect neighborhoods, those are all complicated issues. Um, I'm hopeful that this task force ultimately address helps us to address those issues as a community. Um, but in the, in the meantime, um, its first task will be to help guide the work of the city staff uh, and the city council as we prepare the housing element. Uh, a component, one of the eight components of the general plan, uh, and we look to submit it to the state. Then the state returns the housing element to the city, uh, and then we, with comments um, and the task force with the city staff and the city council, then responds. And that that's that's the initial goal is the housing element. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can't say much uh, about the ongoing lawsuit between the city and the, and the Tournament of Roses, but j just curious, what, what what's that all about? Why have these longtime partners recently locked horns? Well, I wouldn't say we we, we locked horns. Um, you know, you're right. I can't talk too much about it. Um, but, you know, my, my position, uh, the city council's position is, you know, the, the game should always be played in Pasadena. Uh, at the Rose Bowl, uh, it should never be decoupled. Um, absent some extraordinary situation, um, and you know the 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 love that the people of Pasadena have for this game, um, and, and and frankly that 
college fans and the country have, have for the Rose Bowl and the Rose Bowl game, I think demands that we make our view known, that we say, you know, it, it's it's not okay to move the game uh, for the purpose of even mar- profiting or marketing, especially not for marketing. And so, you know, I, I uh, took a very strong position. The city council took a very strong position that we have a, 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 a management agreement um, that says the game is to be played on January 1st at the Rose Bowl. And we made that known. And um, I, you know, I stand by that. Uh, you know, this is not a question of who owns a trademark, uh, you know, involving uh, masks or, uh, or, or coffee mugs. Uh, it's a matter of uh, an agreement that goes through 2048 uh, that says, you know, yes, you may own the, uh, the right to a trademark for purposes of marketing, but uh, the game is to be played in Pasadena. And, and, and you know, we, this is a over, you know, 100, as you know, year relationship. It's going to continue. I'm confident. There are people there. There are good people, my friends uh, at the tournament, uh, you know, and I've worked with them and and uh, side by side to improve the Rose Bowl for uh, close to two decades now. And so we will we'll be fine. Right. We'll work this out. And and uh, you know, I, I know it's still early, but but uh, what's next for you? Is being mayor the the end game, or are you looking at perhaps the state legislature or Congress next? <laughs> I've been I've been in in uh, the mayor's seat for almost three months now, and uh, I love it. You know, it's um, it's it's just an honor and a privilege, and I'm looking forward to doing my job right here in Pasadena. You know, for I've been here for 20 years, um, over 20 years, uh, working to improve our community from the city council, uh, and now to have the opportunity to do it as mayor um, is a tremendous privilege, and I frankly don't see a, a greater honor and privilege uh, um, than serving as as your mayor. So I'm happy. Well, right now I'm in my private office uh, for for work uh, because I have to continue to practice law, but, um, but, uh, you know, I love it. And uh, I love serving as mayor. For sure. And, uh, one final question. Are you, are you reading anything good these days? Do you have a time for reading? Yeah, I'm reading a lot of general plan documents. Um, I've got a couple of, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a couple of books that I, I want to get to, um, in the summer. One is, uh, Rahm Emanuel's book on on uh, on cities and and uh, the leadership that cities are providing at the national level, um, and so I plan to dig into that. Uh, that was a, a gift to me uh, from actually from Mayor Bogard. Uh, so I plan to dig into that uh, hopefully in the next week or two. But with uh, with everything going on around us, there you know it's all been reports on on public safety reports on health department issues and budgets and and uh housing elements and let's, let's see what else can we throw in there um you name it but 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 i am going to get into that book mayor gordo thank you so much for coming on the show i i really appreciate you taking the time thank you i appreciate it and thanks for 
giving me the time and uh, let me know where I can get my library card for your four wall library there. All right. Thank you. Best of luck. Yeah, thanks. On that note, let's check in with our senior influencer correspondent, Brad, the influencer Bradford. Hey everyone. It's Brad. How are you? I'm just at my vanity right now with all my makeup. So don't, don't mind that. Um, so I've been thinking about it a little bit lately. Like, how can I, like, step up my influencer game? Um, one thing I've noticed is that, like, babies are really, really um, big in the influencer world and seem to, like, really boost people's posts. So um, I decided to make one. Um, actually, I mean, I'm not making it. This some, some chick named Taylor is making it for me, but I helped with it. Um... So yeah, it's pretty cool and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so we'll get ready for some baby influencer posts from me. Um, now if you excuse me, I gotta go light something on fire to reveal the gender. Love you guys, hope that influenced you. Thank you for that report, Bradford. And thank you all for tuning in. If you need recommendations for good reads, check out Desert Oracle, Strange True Tales from the American Southwest by Ken Lane a pocket-sized field guide to the strange and intriguing secrets of the Mojave Desert. It's myths and legends, outcasts and oddballs, flora, fauna, and UFOs, a truly fascinating look at an utterly and delightfully bizarre place. Bagman, the wild crime's audacious cover-up and spectacular downfall of a brazen crook in the White House by Rachel Maddow, about the investigation that exposed the crimes and corruption of Richard Nixon's Vice President Spiro Agnew, the attempts at a cover-up, and the backroom bargain that forced Agnew's resignation but also spared him years in federal prison. Mortality by Christopher Hitchens, about what the controversial writer and atheist went through in the months that he was dying from esophageal cancer. That's it for this episode. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned for new episodes of Well Read once a month. You can find this show on YouTube and the Pasadena Media TV channel. Check for showtimes at PasadenaMedia.org or watch it on their streaming app. I'm Justin Chapman, signing off. Learn more about my work at JustinDouglasChapman.com and sign up to receive my email newsletter to get updates on what I'm working on at JustinChapman.Substack.com slash subscribe. And remember, a life well read is a life well spent. So go read a book. Till next time.